Good day to all the listeners. Welcome to the New Life Behavior podcast series. My name is Oscar and I'm a volunteer instructor for New Life Behavior. Now, New Life Behavior is presented worldwide, many countries and several on the African continent. Now, the New Life Behavior ministry or series is completely free of charge to all who will benefit from the studying thereof. No request for money will be made and any donations are completely voluntary. The New Life Behavior Ministry courses, the core curriculum, is a comprehensive study to discover a meaningful and personal relationship with God. The curriculum contains 174 lessons divided into 14 courses. The New Life Behavior curriculum is designed to help individuals to be reconciled to God reconciliation of families and society. It is designed for people in all walks of life. It has been well received by Christians and non-Christians alike. These lessons will cover the following. A sense of self, a sense of family, parenting matters, true freedom, Christian marriage skills, Christian women, Attitudes and Behaviors, Christians Against Substance Abuse, There's a Family Net Series, The Seeker Bible Study Series, Prisoners of Christ, Managing My Anger, Christians Against Sex Addiction, Managing My Finance. Now all the lessons that will be presented are also available on the New Life Behavior International website and their address would be nlbi.net. We can give you at this stage two email addresses. The one email address is 10, the number 10, Winterhook with a capital W, winterhook at gmail.com. So that is 10, capital W, I-N-T-E-R-H-O-E-K at gmail.com and or Chris Burke, C-H-R-I-S-B-U-R-K-E at mweb.co.za. In this way, we say welcome to New Life Behavior Ministries. Dag allemaal, het is Oscar bij New Life Behavior, New Life Behavior International. Nice to welcome you all today to our next podcast. And I just wanted to share one or two quick things with you this morning. Um, the lessons that we're uh, teaching, or, or discussing rather, you can just go to the nlbi.net, small letters. Then you can, it, you'll see it comes up, uh, New Life Behavior, Restoring Hope and Transforming Lives. You can click on the studies um, icon at the top and go to podcasts and you'll be able to pick up all of the lessons that we are presenting. Now you can still go to at radio.live slash nlbi slash as well 
and also know that the broadcasts are at 8.30 on Thursday mornings. Now today we get to the 8th lesson in the Seeker Bible Study Series. Just quickly to tell you as we run up to this study, in the Seeker Bible Study Series we've looked at the God of the Bible. What's He really like? We looked at culture in which we live. Why has it changed so much? Then we asked ourselves, is there a voice of authority to which we must submit? Then we got to the lesson on the man Jesus. Is he really who he claimed to be? And then the problem that affects all human beings, what is it? And we know we talked about sin. Then we asked ourselves in the next lesson, is there a solution to our problem? And what is that solution? And in the last lesson, we talked about God has extended His grace to us. What must I do? Now today, I want to talk about the church. And why would I need the church family? Why would I need church? No, Jesus, yes, definitely. The church? No, 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 not for me. You see, these words express the sentiments of some in today's society towards the church, which, to be honest, is negative and critical. And we say, why? Well, I'm sure there are absolutely many reasons why we would think so. But let's ask ourselves, should we not take into account what God has to say about the church? You know, there are a few human abuses, but we cannot justify a wholesale dismissal of all the positive things that pertain to the church. Now, first question is, is it important and necessary for us to identify what we mean when we speak of the church? And frequently the word is used in ways that don't match the biblical meanings. People use the word church to refer to a particular building and I think the whole world is full of church buildings. And others say church when they refer to a particular denomination. Others use the word to mean Christianity in a broad and generic sense meaning generally Christian influence in society. Now the fact is that the Bible never uses the word church for a building, or a denomination, or Christian influence in society. The term stands for something else. The church refers to people, to saved people. It is a visible community of people who have exercised faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You see, the church is God's family. Because when Paul wrote to Timothy, he spoke about God's household, which is the church. That's the exact words. And then it talks about to belong to this family is to have citizenship in heaven. Now let's talk about Christ and his love for the church. 
When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, the word of God says, God Christ so loved the church that he gave himself up for it. And in that very same book of Ephesians, it says the church is his body of which he is the savior. You see, Jesus loved the church. And it says he gave himself up for her, the church, to make her her holy, the church, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. He's not speaking about a building. He's speaking about people. He's speaking about people that he loves. Now let's have a look at a couple of the biblical references to the church. You see, there are many terms used in the Word of God that demonstrate how intimately and vitally the church is related to Christ, who is the maker and the builder. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says, I will build my church. And he was saying, Jesus is the foundation upon which the church is built. And he said that to Peter, the apostle. The church is called in the word of God, his body. It is called his family or his household. And it says that he is the head of the church. And it says he dwells in it. And when the writer of Hebrews wrote his writings, it says Christ is the son over God's house. And we are his house. We are members of God's household. Uh, also, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he spoke about us being God's temple in which God's Spirit lives. Now, if we go back to one of our earlier studies in, in the book of Acts, the first sermon that was preached and recorded for us, it says that when people were baptized into Christ they received the gift of the Holy Spirit and that's why it says we are God's temple and God's Spirit lives in us and then to uh, Christians also also when uh, writing to the Corinthians he said our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you and then he goes on to say now we know that if the earthly tent you know, this temporary kind of concept we've got here, he says, uh, is destroyed. He says, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. And then it goes on again into the book of Ephesians, if you read it. It says, Christ is the chief cornerstone. And we know in, in, in building terms that uh, the understanding is the cornerstone is which really sets everything that comes after that. It's the, one of the most important aspects of any building. So the church is not a building, but rather the church is a pillar and a foundation of the truth. You see, being in Christ means we're in the church. So then we say Jesus and a church. No, 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 no. But the Bible, the Word of God doesn't speak that way. It said if one is in the, 
in Christ, he or she is in the church of Jesus. The idea of being saved by Jesus and then joining some church is not in the Bible. See, when we're born again, it says, and, and if you look at the story of Nicodemus, we are baptized into Christ, Galatians says. And then the book of Corinthians just ties that up and says we are baptized into the body. You see, the same action that puts us into Christ also puts us into the body of Christ, the church. Now let's talk about the church of his choice. When Paul, the book of Ephesians is a marvelous book, really. It's, it's got so much for us. It, it helps us a lot in, in our spiritual understanding and journey. And he writes in, in Ephesians, there's one body, there's one spirit. It talks about one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's, it talks about unity. It talks about the one body. Nowhere in the New Testament can you read that anyone was told to join the church of his or her choice. Obedience to the gospel puts us into the church of Christ Jesus, the church that he built. But humans have become confused or they've ignored simply New Testament teachings regarding the church and how we become members of it. Now the church involves people who are in Christ. And let's have a look at the assembly of the church. Well, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. It's a Greek word. And then it means a gathering. You see, member, members of God's family assemble at regular intervals, we know that, in local congregations of the church. And there God is worshipped. The Bible, the word of God is respected. Biblical plan of salvation is taught and practiced. And Christian love is shared by all. And also in that environment, partaking of the communion or the Lord's Supper takes place and also communion with the Lord and with each other. You see, in Christian assemblies, the body is to be built up through prayer. In other words, the church, the body, us, is to build up through prayer, teaching, singing and loving fellowship. That's what we get together for. Now let's talk about the work of the church. Now we might have our own ideas and say, oh, you know, this and that and the other thing. But the church principally was God's idea. And the New Testament identifies. So Jesus didn't leave us in the, at a loose end or anything. He said he, he gave us several ways in which the church and instructed several ways in which the church is used by God to accomplish his purpose. And let's look at the following. First of all, the church is instrumental in the sanctification process. In other words, sanctification is one of those groot woorde weer but all it means is to make holy, heiligmaking, sales in Afrikaans. And God is a holy God. He wants people to be holy. He wants people to be different from 
the ways of the world. It says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. The active participation in the church is one crucial way by which sanctification, heiligmaking, is encouraged and strengthened. And it's a process which doesn't happen just like that. It's a process that continues over a lifetime. You you can see how active participation in the life of the church encourages and enhances one's sanctification. Without this, in other words, in our, our sanctification, heiligmaking, is a journey. It's not a day or a time. It's a journey in which we walk with Christ and grow with Christ. Without this spiritual growth, will be stunted and stifled. Now also the church is, an, is instrumental in the education process. The purpose and the goal of the church is to build up the opbouwerij. And life in this world, I, I, I just feel rips and tears at the human heart and the human spirit and the human body. And the world, I think we can agree, can be vicious, cruel and destructive in many ways. And God's plan is for the church to provide an atmosphere where people, His people, and other people are loved, encouraged, taught and even healed. The church is a place intended for spiritual restoration. It's a place that's intended to carry each other's burdens. And so the, the, the Gospel of John says, you know, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sure, it's, it's, it's an amazing statement. It's a very, very challenging statement. But it says we must spur one another on toward, uh, toward love and good deeds. We must become a close-knit communities. And if we look at a, a couple of aspects within which edification or lifting or opbowing uh, takes place, it says the believers must know and love one another. Christians must be willing to be open and honest with each other. That's a tough one, isn't it? God's children must understand that even though they are not saved by good works, they are saved for good works. The church provides an avenue for these good works to be carried out. In the book of Ephesians it said, we are God's workmanship. Isn't that a marvelous statement? And he says, we are God's workmanship to do good works. Now members, another point is that members of God's household must learn to accept and love each other in spite of past mistakes and imperfections and differences. And we are there to build each other up. Members of the community uh, of, of faith must spend meaningful time together praying, breaking bread. Now that means uh, the Lord's Supper, I think, and it means also just getting together to, to enjoy meals together and singing, studying and other types of constructive interactions. If you look at the book of Acts, if I may quote that, 
verses 42 to 47 is a beautiful illustration of the early church after the preaching of what we call the first gospel sermon by Peter in Acts 2. And also the church is instrumental in equipping God's people for ministry. God made us for works of service. And then when Peter the Apostle wrote, he said, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And that's, it's very important in the functioning of the church to help its members identify and deploy their spiritual gifts. It says, in, again, we go to the book of Ephesians. I, I'm not saying you must go and read it or do anything, but just take this book and say where it says, from him, from him, the whole, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. He talks about the body, and now we can identify. Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If there's just a sore toe in your life, that affects the whole body. That's, that's what, what we're being encouraged to do is to grow together and support each other and become a unit. And then also evangelism. That's the purpose of the podcasts, is to try and reach out to people wherever they are in life. And in Matthew 28, 18 and 20, said, go into all the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We need to be spreading the good news of Jesus. That's important, I think, in everything in life today. And then also there is an intimacy in God's family, in the body. Now we have country clubs, social organizations, and sometimes warmth, warmth and love and intim intimacy are, are, are absent. There, there may not be a sense of partnership or fellowship, there could be, but perhaps that's not predominant or prominent. You see, the church is God's big family. And we should always be searching and desire to find close and intimate relationships that can be very deep and strong. And that's in God's family, the church. Now that, take, that brings us to the close of this particular lesson. But it leads us into the following one, which is going to be, after becoming Christians, what should we expect? Does life in Christ exempt us from trials and tribulations of human existence? If we serve God, will He spare us from the dark nights, stormy waters and painful experiences? In the next lesson of this Seeker series, these questions will be explored in the light of biblical principles. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father. Thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you, Father, for the gift of the church, the body of Christ. Thank you that we can be part of that, Father. Thank you that that can sustain us and give us life and help us in the journey of life, come what may. Bless us, Father, 
be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just a few little easy tips. First of all, each lesson is going to ask you to note a few personal thoughts about the question that is asked. And then read the questions at the end of the lesson, but do not attempt to answer them. Then study or read the lesson. Then answer the questions and then give yourself the opportunity to write some personal reflections. And you are more than welcome to send your answers and questions to 10, the number 10, winterook at gmail.com or chrisburke at mweb.co.za.